Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. I decided to share another of the Cancer Talks podcasts. I'll be doing this off and on. And this week, Linda Sims, who is a registered nutritional therapist and lecturer and one of the co-hosts of Cancer Talks, we talk with her client, Mark Stanton. So I hope you find Mark's story and how he and Linda have worked together as interesting, informative, and humbling as I did. I think it's when something like this happens, you actually start realising the importance of life. So again, it's another, another lesson I've learned now. You know, any one of us, God forbid, can walk out of wherever we are in our car accident and suddenly get run over. That can be taken away now from all of us. We don't have to be diagnosed with cancer. So it's woke me up even more. You know, what do I want to do with whatever I've got left? So a big life plan change is coming on again. So I'm learning all the time about how I want to spend. Another big thing for me is time. How do I want to spend my time? What do I want to do with my time? And, and again, filling my body with with good emotions. It's like, like Linda, you know, you, you want to fill me full of good food. I'm looking after feeling my body full of good feelings. The research actually does point towards those who, the people who feel like they are in charge of their uh, health, they actually get better. You know, they have better outcomes. Yeah. So, and and also to, to you know, people come with different stages of cancer to see me. Not everybody survives, but you can always help at every stage. You know, you can have less pain. You can, you know, have longer time. All those things. So, so everybody, that there's something for everybody, no matter what stage of cancer you are, no matter if you, you know, just been diagnosed, if you. Um, have gone through treatment, there's always something you can do. Hello, and welcome to Cancer Talks podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and Linda Sims and I are delighted that you are tuning in and joining us today. Linda is a registered nutritional therapist and lecturer, and her client, Mark Stanton, is joining us. Mark has recently received a cancer diagnosis. Mark shares his story about how he has dealt with this diagnosis during the COVID crisis and how he and Linda have worked together. It is both inspiring and humbling. So, Mark, Linda and I are really grateful that you are coming on the show today, so thank you very much. That's a pleasure. We are here today to talk about you and your health journey. Basically, or essentially, we're going to talk about a cancer diagnosis that you've had. I think it would be nice for the listeners to hear a little bit about the background, uh, some of your history, your story, if you don't mind starting off with that. And then we can roll into how you and Linda met each other and how you've worked together on your own health and well-being through Linda's advice as a nutritional therapist. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. So do you want to start a bit more on my history first? Yes. Well, I'm a counsellor, a life coach. I... If I wind the clock back 15 years, um, I was in a relationship for around about five, six years, uh, which broke down. I suppose it's the same as everyone or a lot of people. I don't want to generalise or put labels on people, but I think we, we blame other people. She's this, he's that, he's always late, he don't come home, she don't do this, she don't do that. 
and I, I was one of those people. Uh, and I blamed her a lot. Uh, she didn't do this, she didn't do that. And I don't know what I've done wrong. And I tried to do this. But it put, me in a, it put me in a dark hole. And I suppose understanding now, a lot of people end up in those dark holes. Luckily, I was, I was able to find a friend of mine that um, he started to get me to look at me rather than her. Um, and the first time he said, but look at you, look what you've done. <clears throat> I started putting a few labels on me. I won't tell you what I told him, but I put the phone down on him. Um, two days later, I was still in a dark hole and um, we spoke again. And, and he basically said, look, you know, why don't you start looking at you? There's a common denominator here. You've gone through a few broken relationships. I've had long-term relationships, but they, they, they function, but they're not fulfilling. Um, I was a bit of a workaholic. I spent a lot of time my, my life working. Uh, also a bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I spent a lot of time in sports and activities. Um, so getting to the crux of it, I basically started to see a counsellor, and he said to me, you know, why don't you start looking at you and start working on you? You know, I was 45, I suppose, at the time, um, and still hopefully with a lot of life in front of me. So decided to see a counsellor, went with his recommendation, and I spent... Um, maybe 11 sessions with her. Um, in the process of that, I got involved in another relationship that she recommended I didn't. But, you know, like most of us, we don't listen. We go down the hard way and look at things from our point of view rather than someone who actually knows maybe more, a bit wiser, or see things differently. Um, and I started still working with her, but not so much on relationship stuff. Uh, maybe more about boundary setting. Um, the dysfunctional relationship I had with my children. I, I, mean, I was single at the time, uh, had my kids living with me, and then that's when I ended up with this other relationship. So there's this guy living on, a, on his house, working, busy, um, two teenage children living in the house, teenagers being teenagers, not a lot of boundaries in the house, uh, quite dysfunctional, quite volatile is too strong a word, but you know I'm trying to set a picture in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we started working on boundary setting with my children and how other people's impact affect other people. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's a big part of a lot of maybe the problems on today's planet. We don't consider our impacts on what other people, how it affects them or how they feel or, or, or just, just a general consideration or inconsiderate. Um, so we started working on myself. Um, and... Got involved in this relationship, realised it wasn't healthy, went back to counselling, got some more sessions, tried to look at dealing things healthily. It didn't work in the relationship. Um, and again, it wasn't such a dark hole, but it still put me in this dark hole. Um, I spoke to another friend that I met through this process of me working on myself that recommended a, um, a using inverted commas at the treatment centre. It was a... It was a a uh, psychodynamic treatment centre that actually spent a lot of time unravelling you. And they were looking at work time around about a year, year onwards uh, commitment. Um, so I was going there three days a week um, where we had workshops, group therapy, one-to-one -one sessions uh, and, and lectures. Um, and then I saw how my, my history from my what I saw was the, the ideal upbringing. My mum and dad are still together and very supportive of me. How dysfunctional that was and how 
looking at it now, I'm happy my mum and dad are. Their relationship functions is not fulfilling. And how, how sad that is. Um, mm. Because these people try to commit to each other on a, on a dynamic, but they don't actually consider each other. They're trying to get each other's needs from each other. Uh, rather than taking from the relationship, robbing from somebody, rather than actually giving and making it fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, even though there's still a lot of love there, it's just what they learned uh, yeah. for their own coping mechanisms. Um, <coughs> through this, I know my mum's history, my dad's history, and again, I'll be working myself now in 13 and a half years. It's it's hard, isn't it? We're, we're not now. Our parents. We've evolved so much in learning how to work on relationships, and our parents didn't really get that, or they didn't learn that. So, and they learned from their parents. And I mean, you know, if you, if you want to talk yeah, about yeah. some really dysfunctional parents, my mom's parents, whoo, boy, I mean, they were <laughs> off the Richter scale of um, very rigid and conservative. So it's it is interesting how we evolve over time, and it. Yeah, so I totally get that, totally get it. So it's in many ways, we're really, I'm not meaning to negate what you're talking about, but we can now get more of an understanding of what's going on inside of us and coming in tune with that, can't we? And actually admitting that there's an issue, that's the first step and and that's what you did and and you went forward and actually working on yourself for 13 and, did you say 13 years? That is a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's been um, a lot more fulfilling though because um, I've been the adrenaline jerky. Um, I've been a workaholic and trying to find excitement, happy uh, from outside stuff rather than internally. Yeah. And I think this is what a lot of the big problems are on, on the planet today. You know, people spending, um, even the COVID situation at the moment, people being locked in and isolated on their own away from their coping mechanisms. Um, mm-hmm. It's leaving them in, in a place where they're not used to that. Um, I think they're all healthy, but the, the, the darker side emotion, the isolation, you know, and they're left with this, this, this feeling inside that they can't deal with. So through my 15 months in this, I labeled it treatment center, a, a therapeutic environment, uh, I was learned to, I was taught to learn to deal with the, the darker side emotions, the hurt, the pain, the loss, the sadness, uh, it doesn't mean I don't feel it. It just means that I've learned to cope with it and deal with it and actually allow myself to feel that and come, come through that, that process, that, that storm, really. And, and what I've learned is I've taken on board my mum's and my dad's coping mechanisms from what they've gone through in their history. Mm-hmm. Then I had to look at my own behaviour and then why I was doing it. Is it me or is it somebody else? Uh, and we become all unauthentic. We, we, you know, I, I speak English because I was born in England. If you're born in Germany, you're going to be taught German, you know, and so I've learned what I've been educated and what I've shown, and there's this little child that was born in this very dysfunctional uh, environment that picks up their behaviours. So over the last 13 years, I've had to unravel all of this chaos that had gone on inside of me, one through therapy, then also become a counsellor to actually help somebody else deal with it. But because of that, today I just feel so fulfilled because I'm able to now I walk through hell um, through my own process of what I've done, what I became, um, the lifestyle I lived, to actually unravel all of that, then to actually now be okay to walk through that, that journey with someone else. 
mm-hmm. which because of the psychotherapy style of therapy I've been through, which deals with a lot of core stuff, um, it puts me in a, in a privileged place where not a lot of people do that. Mm. And um, I think all that really helped you uh, with your cancer diagnosis because the way you face it has, is just admirable. So that's, that's sort of a, a nice transition if i mean it sounds so weird to say that's a nice transition let's talk about your cancer mark um and your diagnosis but it does enable us to to kind of flow into that is that okay if we we talk about what happened i mean this has been great background for us to to understand more about yeah i think coming back to the cancer because of what i've gone through and how i've learned to deal with the emotional side of things and the coping mechanisms to deal with darker situations um when i found out i had cancer then it allowed me to to feel it it allowed me to accept it it allowed me to then make um educated decisions rather than the panic the worry the concern it it was there but also i wanted to survive so it's like okay what do i need to do i first found out that um there was something wrong when i was having a shave and i had this lump on the side left hand side of my neck ping pong ball size I suppose I didn't notice it the day well I normally shave three four days I didn't notice it before rang the doctors up again through COVID rang the doctors up on a phone call they told me it was a block saliva gland I googled block saliva glands on google images they showed them a lot higher maybe jawline cheekbone area mine was in my throat I did see one that was shown a picture of the throat and it's labelled it leukaemia. So again, I suppose like most people, I avoided that and wanted to find something that I was happy to to cope with. And again, understanding grieving processes and first thing when we find out about grief is to try and have and not believe what's going on. So I was trying to find something that I was feeling more comfortable with rather than something that was more darker and sinister. The doctor told me it was a block saliva gland it would go between three to four weeks. Um, again, coming from a dysfunctional place, not used, used to being um, in a, dealing with feelings, uh, I'm looking for some way of changing something quickly. Um, so I've learned over my period of time to normal patient. So I said, okay, if I've got to wait three to four weeks, this is how long it's going to take. Um, so again, there's another way of coping with things, learning to actually accept where we are and what's going on. The doctors did tell me if there was any change to contact them. It got bigger. Um, I rang the doctors again. I uh, had a video phone call. Um, she could not actually really diagnose it without touching it, so I did have to see a doctor uh, or a, 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 a medical profession person. I don't know if they were doctors or, or what, to be honest. Um, they were a little unsure, and they said they would clarify it with somebody else if there was a problem, they'd call me back. I sat with that for the remaining three to four weeks where people saying, go again. And I said, no, do you know what? They told me to wait. I'm going to wait. I then rang them up on the three weeks saying, this lump hasn't changed. Uh, I then saw a specialist. I had a camera up my nose who then said, this doesn't look good. I said, this is something to worry about. And he said, I can't confirm that yet. I need to do more tests. I then had um, a camera up my nose an MRI and a, two biopsies, where they've done a small biopsy in my neck which didn't look good and then they've done another one to find that primary form of cancer. Mm. And then that was my first, was actually physically told. And they didn't use the word cancer, but they 
Well, they did. They didn't say you've got cancer. They said, we're now looking for primary source. Oh. So they went into a lymph node inside of my neck where I think it was either five or six of my lymph nodes had been affected. Right. And when was this? When did this happen? You said it was during COVID. Is that right? Yes. Uh, basically, um, the, the video call and the call into the doctors was on the Easter Sunday. Oh, I gosh. think that was the 12th of April. I'm not too sure without looking at my diary. Uh, I first found it on the Tuesday before that. Okay. And then um, we were looking at a roughly a four-week window after that. Oh, goodness. For them. And I had the, the, the three um, the meetings with a camera at my nose, the MRI and the ultrasound all done within one week. Once I was there, it was very quickly, sort of, the, the, the momentum was very quick. That's that's a good thing. That is a good thing. But can I just ask you? You said they didn't say that you specifically had cancer. They just said we're looking for primary. We're looking for the primary. So was that yeah. for you the flag that you thought, mm, okay, this actually is cancer, or did you know um, that? Yeah, I think so. I think I, um, I asked some questions. I'm again, I'd rather deal with the truth. It's something I've learned yeah. to do. You know, we, we can hide from the truth, but the truth is the truth. We can not believe something, not want to see it. They're doing something we don't like. The truth is the truth. Um, and, and it creates a feeling it does. And again, I talk a lot about emotions because I think this is a big part for me is a lot of people avoid the emotional side of things. And when it comes to my treatment through cancer, how I've dealt with it is um, because of the positivity I've used, it's given me a positive vibe through my, my body, which I think is better than a negative one. So can we, that's, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And it, and it does show how the, the past 13 years, as Linda said, how the past 13 years really gave you a, a solid foundation of being able to start thinking, okay, how am I going to start dealing with this? But what were your th thoughts after that? What were you, what did you do after that? And then I'd like to hear how you brought, how you met Linda and what, how that's happened and evolved because April is not long ago no. <laughs> for you to have had this diagnosis. We, I, mean, I, must, I must say we are still in kind of um, in the early stages, you know, of yeah. um, nutritional therapy because yeah. It hasn't been that long. I mean, it's, it's all happened very quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's finished. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the treatment's finished. Did it happen? Yeah. What's going on? I'm okay again. Oh, I haven't had the all clear yet. But, you know, it seems it seems like a bad dream. Mm. And it's you know, I think that sometimes we, we deal with things, we, we're stronger than we actually give ourselves credit for. We can deal with things and move on rather Always. than that. Mm -hmm. being stuck in that situation again it's something i learned through therapy you know storms are there but they at some point they do end um, and we mm -hmm. can move forward through things to me what really struck me is that you saw the diagnosis as kind of opening doors to the next stage of your life mm -hmm. because you really saw it as okay what do i learn from this and i've never heard you saying anything negative or anything fearful or show any stress you know, through this whole journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another thing that I've learned is um, I live quite a spiritual life now and, and I believe in a, a higher power. I'm not a religious person and uh, I'm not a, a church girl or nothing, but um, I think there's another thing. So what, why is this happening? What's happening to me? What, what am I going to learn from? What can I get? And, and I find ways to try and get positivity things out of them, think. You know, we're dealing with something very dark and sinister. 
from back in the, the therapeutic days I was talking about earlier on, for me setting boundaries here with my children, it changed the dynamic of my children. I'm also a workaholic and I, and I got involved with a business with my, my son. Um, we, we fell out over that and for approximately two years we haven't really spoken. My daughter's got her own history with me and, and the relationship is, 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 has been pleasant but it's quite distant. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I realised that my family emotionally can't deal with it. And the first thing they're either going to do is not believe it or, or trying to fix things. And I'm not saying you, you can't do things to fix things, but, you know, the first thing they're going to do is something that's probably not right. Um, so I had to distance myself from my children, my family, um, to actually go, right, what do I really need to, to move me forward? What, what's right for me rather than what somebody else needs to do to make them feel better? The positivity I got from having cancer and being diagnosed with cancer is my kids wanted to see me. Uh, and it started to bring my children back to my life, um, which at the time was, it was, it was massive for me um, to spend time with my daughter because of her, her behaviour. She doesn't spend a lot of time with me. She lives a quite a manic lifestyle, two young children, house, family, husband. My son runs a business now, two young children, Issues because of the business, don't want to spend time with me. All of a sudden, it's like, that's going to die. We want to see it. And it's like, great. You know, so there was, I'm looking for the, the positive vibe, the positive emotion that I can fill my body with. I'm not saying there isn't sadness, fear, the unknown, that there's a, a, a negative, a horrible emotion that I'm not, I'm not dismissing, but I'm looking for something good that I can actually hold on to. Mm-hmm. rather than sitting with that um, that place that come, could lead on to depression and, and drive me down and then I might end up in a, in a, um, a lesser place where I'm now looking for someone to actually pull me out of. You know, I'm, What I'm doing is taking responsibility for my place and I find a lot of people don't really do that. They, they rely on somebody else to do it for them. Um, so by actually now, my family wants to spend time with me. Um, it... At the time, I didn't know if they were going to treat this. I still hadn't had the, the, um, uh, the second biopsy to find out actually where the primary source was and could they treat it. Right. Um, so I'm now going, what, what the hell am I going to do with the, the next three months of my life before it's taken away from me? And, and I think it's when something like this happens, you actually start realising the importance of life. Mm. So again, it's another, another lesson I've learned now. You know, any one of us, God forbid, it can walk out of wherever we are and have a car accident, so you get mm. run over. That can be taken away now from all of us. We don't have to be diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So it's worked me up even more. You know, what do I want to do with whatever I got left? So mm. a big life plan change is coming along again. <laughs> so I'm learning all the time about how I want to spend. Another big thing for me is time. How do I want to spend my time? What do I want to do with my time? And, and again, filling my body with, with good emotions. It's like, like Linda, you know, you, you want to fill me full of good food. I'm looking after <laughs> feeling my body full of good feelings. And I think they both work well. If I start doing things that are going to drag me down, I'm going to start feeling bad. Yeah. That's going to come through, radiate from my body, and that's going to affect me physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm then going to end up with the mental health issues we see on the planet today. Mm-hmm. I'm then going to end up in a, in a lesser place and, and then sort of the depression comes in, the suicide rate comes in. You know, men, what is it? It's a phenomenal rate. I, I, can't, yeah. I, can't quote, I don't want to quote it because I'd be wrong. But, you know, the phenomenal rate, especially men committing suicide these days, you know. 
Yeah, I believe um, it's like out of all the suicides, about seventy-five percent is men. So yeah. it, it's a big, big chunk. Yeah. So what I'm learning to do is actually fill myself with the good things. You know, yeah. food, exercise, emotions. And what can I get from this lesson of going? You've got cancer. Yes, it's mm -hmm. it's soul destroying. It's it's devastating news. The morning after, I walked down the road with my dog. Um, I looked at the clouds, the blue sky, um, the, the flowers blowing by the side of the road and going, you know, shit, I've got a lot of living to do and that is going to be taken away from me. I'm now going to do my best not, not to allow that. And what am I going to do? And again, this is now when mm. I, I had a health issue, uh, I, I don't quote me, two and a half years ago right. um, with my gallbladder. I had gallstones. Um, horrendous pain, woke up in the middle of the night, got taken to the hospital, didn't know what it was, put me on morphine, um, that didn't work. They gave me the all clear. I then spoke to a nutritionist. I, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to take myself away from that pain. Again, I'm going to use the same expression. I'm taking responsibility for my, my situation. What can I do? So many people nowadays go to the doctors and go, oh, I've got a cold, I want some tablets, or PDS, or I've got so-and-so, can I have some antibiotics? You know, what, why have you got a cold? What's happening? What The type of therapy I do mainly is, what's at the beginning? What started it? What, what can I change back then? You know, back to my dysfunctional upbringing. I can change my behaviours I've learned from 50 years ago. I can now eat healthier food. I can have exercise. I can do better exercise, more correct movement, and it's actually going to benefit me. No one else, me. And it's, you know, like we said before we come on to on this conversation, it's, it's about me and it's, it, I'm only living my life. Um, I know my life's going to end. I don't know when it's going to end and how do I really want to live it? And what can I do to make my life better? That's, um, really one of the, the key things of how do we want to live it. So you're, it sounds like you're doing some mindfulness work and some exercise, and I'm guessing you've got support to, to help you with that. So you have your coping mechanisms, your own, your own training uh, as far as a coach goes. How did you meet Linda, the lovely Linda? I, I had gallbladder problems going back, like I said, two years ago. A friend <laughs> of mine spoke to a nutritionist. Uh, he passed on her number. I spoke to her. Being a counselor, I read people, and um, not intentionally, but you pick up a vibe, and there was something that we sort of clashed. I'm aware because of my behaviour, I'd be quite powerful, um, and I found her quite distant from me. I didn't find her as supportive I needed. Uh, however, she'd give me some great tools. I then slipped a little bit and had another blip in my gallbladder and realised we can learn behaviour. I'd come off of the new behaviour that she told me to, to sort of try to follow. Um, and, and I went back to that and I found by eating healthier food and having a healthier lifestyle with nutrition, I could feel a difference in my body. Yeah. Um, when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I'm aware now that nutrition is going to help me. And again, I've done a lot of reading as well since, since speaking to this lady originally. Again, I rely on my higher power and fate. Um, she was not very well, so she recommended Linda. Hence why I'm now working with Linda. And I find her phenomenal and very, very supportive. Where I might wait three weeks to get a reply from an email or my nutrition plan from the previous uh, nutritionist. 
Linda's texting me through through my treatment, even sometimes I'm on the sofa, uh, half dead with my chemo and radiotherapy. Linda's, how are you? What's mm-hmm. going on? What, what do you need support with? Very, very supportive. And, you know, it's the type of thing I do with clients because I find a lot of people don't ask. They don't know what to do. They just sit back and expect someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. But with Linda, she's been, she's been there all the way through my, my cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have to say, we, we talked about it last week whenever i sent a message to mark to say how are you he responds tells me you know gives me an update but immediately says and how are you what's been going on in your life <laughs> that's <laughs> nice that's nice. Him that that you know he's always thinking about other people not just himself which is mm. which absolutely great mm. um mark what one thing i have to say that you know you were going into the treatment with such verve and of course, it's, it's a really tough treatment. You had both chemo and radio and you had to have a peg line. So Gosh. you were fed um, through, your, through your stomach, straight into your stomach because you couldn't, of course, eat because um, as we know with, with throat, anything in your throat, irradiating, chemotherapy, you know, that, that causes a lot of damage. But you still went into it with this absolute rev and you were eating pretty much throughout, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think the doctors were actually amazed, and and we just we've got to stress you know stress that as um, the resilience that Mark has because through the whole time um, he were on hardly any medication as a pain painkillers, which Goodness. I think amazed everybody too. I was on three paracetamol a day at week five, so yeah. <laughs> and not, not many people actually um, managed to get through week five or week six and you you have done the whole whole lot i i done the whole lot of my treatment with just paracetamol um, again it's things i've learned through through my history and a lot through through therapy um i i, I was adrenaline junkie i've done a lot of sport and i've learned you can control your mind and you can actually get your mind to do different things because your mind's a very clever machine but you can actually be cleverer than that. So I've learned to turn physical pain off, which has been brilliant through my training. Uh, my osteopath hates it because when I get to a level one on my pain threshold, he says that's a level 10 for normal people. So you've got to listen to it, which I've now started to do. So I think that, that's aided me through chemo radiotherapy. And like we said the other week, we're back, you know, asking somebody else how they are. It's, again, it's going back to that positive feeling inside you know it's if i want to doom and gloom and slunk on this we will feel bad and i'm not well that's going to radiate through my body it doesn't mean i don't feel it um but if i start asking how something else is involved with other people and get engaged with them i I will pick up on them and they'll actually want to engage with me more um i befriended the security guard that was getting me to spray my hands as i was going into oncology the, the lady nurse was taking my temperature, um, and we, oh, we built a friendship. And you know, yeah, they were saying, "How are you today?" Boof, I'm bad. I'm here. I'm going through this. Um, but I, I also started engaging with people rather than just isolating and be insular and facing this on my own. Even though the support's there, I'm actually reaching out and connecting to other people. Um, and going back to what you're saying is, the nurses said, "How are you?" And I'm going, "Yeah, I'm fine. How are you?" And it's frozen. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Well, I want to know about you. Uh, which I thought, you know, it's, it's a bit of my 
humor because I find it quite comical going because he just throws people which again it gives me that little smile inside mm-hmm. you know and you know yeah I've had bad days through that and I walked in how are you Oof, I'm like this today I need something I want some support I want some help or I want um, some advice on how I can try to change that if I can again it's trying to take responsibility if I'm ill if I'm bad if I'm if I'm in pain what can I what can I do to do something about that and, and have you learned to ask those questions of how, is that what you're saying? You would ask these people, how can I, what, what can I do to improve my pain levels or I'm feeling really low? Is that what you did with the, when you went to receive the treatment and when you talked with Linda as well? Yeah, it's, um, I've, I've learned to reach out, I've learned to ask, I've learned to understand. And if I put all the responsibility onto you to go, what you need to do is you need to do that. If I go, look, hang on, can I do anything? What can I do? That means I'm starting to take responsibility and, and charge of my situation. Uh, as soon as I start taking charge of my situation, I'm in control of it. The cancer is not controlling me and telling me what I can or can't do. Mm-hmm. I'm actually telling the cancer what I'm going to try and do against it. You know, it is a battle. It's the first, the first um, don't quote me, three months was an emotional battle. How... You know, am I going to die? Can you treat this? You know, shit, I've got cancer. That was the first one. Yeah. Um, and then it was um, the physical battle. One, the operation on my stomach. And I still got a tube hanging out of my stomach at the moment. That hurt more than I expected it to do. Uh, I wanted to go to Scotland for the weekend before before treatment, and I was unable to. Which um, is like, again, it's me. That, that motivation to try and, trying to do things. You're trying to live. Don't allow things to control my life if, if, if I've got a choice to do something about it. And you, you also did a rowing challenge before the surgery, didn't you? Goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I used to do a lot of martial arts and things, and my body's a little bit messed up because of that. Um, mm. I've got two prolapse discs, a um, few bad joints here and there. Going back to asking Linda for help, I also fell three years ago and prolapsed a disc, another one. And so I started doing Pilates and actually rebuilding my body that way. So because my body's a little bit messed up, um, trying to get some cardio work, um, my son said to me, who was running the gym with me, start rowing. And it's not so much load on your body, although it is very strenuous. We hadn't spoken for about two years. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, he contacted me and said, he's involved with CrossFit. And CrossFit was... um, they do a CrossFit Games. They would shut down because of the lockdown with the COVID. Um, so they were doing a 36-hour rowing challenge. So he invited me to the gym to do an hour row. Now, I haven't rowed for roughly two years when I stepped away from the gym with him. And he went, do you want to do an hour row with me? And I went, we, we're setting some teams up again. And I said, okay, what are we doing? So this is like text, text conversation, not like normal healthy conversation. Yeah. So I said, what are we doing? He said, well, it'll be an hour road. Do you want to do a single hour with me or do you want to go in a team? I went, we've been a sort of adrenaline jockey. I'll do an hour road with you. When is it? Next week. So I had seven days notice to do an hour rowing challenge. So, so yeah, you know, and again, it's, 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 I like challenges. I like accomplishing things. I like beating things. Um, so I've done 13,500 metres in an hour, non-stop. <laughs> and, and it's funny because when I spoke to my support team, they said the, the surgery for your cancer, the, the operation would be so complex. And we're going to go with, with treatment rather than surgery. So uh, I don't know if I'd have had to have the pig tube either way, but basically you're going to need a tube. 
Um, bearing in mind, my treatment date was set with about three-week window, and I knew between now and that three weeks, I had to have an operation on my stomach. So I wasn't talking to the hospital at all. <laughs> I had to wait for that, for that rowing challenge to turn up. And then it was like going and have the operation with my stomach. <laughs> Can I ask you, what, what type of cancer were you diagnosed with? I you could not tell you the name of it. I could probably find it through an email somewhere. I don't right. know. A tonsil. Um, okay. Yeah. It's in my tongue. It's on the left-hand side of my tongue, just behind my tonsil. Um, okay. But, yeah, sorry, the technical name I couldn't tell you. With. Well, that's fine. That's fine. You know, we don't. it doesn't need to be the technical name. I know Linda would have it, but... Um, we can go with the tonsil. That that's that helps. It's just so the listeners oh, know. Tonsil, I'm not on the on the tongue behind the. It's, it's actually the tongue. Yeah. I had to have a second. Is it okay? I had to on the side of my neck, and then I had another. I had to go back in for another operation on my tongue to find okay. out if it was actually my uh, tonsil actually in the tongue. Right. So, hence the complexity yeah. of yeah. surgery in there. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So, can I? You've got a multitude of coping mechanisms in place. Can we talk a little bit about, did, you know, you had already seen a nutritional therapist for your gallbladder issues. Um, what, what was it that, did you work on anything in particular with Linda? I, kn I know you would, but was there, were there major changes? And again, I know there would be because of the tube and all. It's going to sound silly, but Linda, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think and I think Michael's already eating pretty well. So it, it was just fine tuning a few things and of course during um during the treatment we just had to go with the flow because mm. when you have a treatment such as that mm. you know and you can't eat a lot so we've sort of, i've suggested lots of soft foods and easy to digest food and no acidic yeah. foods which now we are kind of going back towards slowly nice. but um i must say mike really surprised me when he said one of the first foods he's been able to put back into his diet was toast <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Which, you know, may not be the best food nutritionally that I would be suggesting. But, you know, when you just come out of treatment and yeah. toast is what you fancy, then we'll, we'll go with the toast. Yeah. But, yeah, Mark was already doing lots of smoothies. So it, it, it's really sort of fine tuning, you know, making sure those smoothies are more vegetables than, than fruit. I know a lot of his friends were bringing him cakes and, and mm. lots of lovely treats. <laughs> That was one of the things we had to have a little bit chat about. And did and did you? Sorry, I'm going to talk about you in front of your face for a minute, Mark. Did you have him on? Uh, what sort of supplementation did? Were you able to have him on anything in particular when he was going through chemo? Well, the mushrooms. That that's the one thing that, that as you know, I always <laughs> like to put in. Of course, so that those those definitely featured. But again, you you know we always have to look how how can we put them in if if you have a peg line so that those things always are a bit more difficult. But as luckily Mark could eat. It was only, it was only after treatment started I had to go to my tube. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. And did I, you did you work with the? Sorry to interrupt you, but can you also talk about your relationship with Mark's um, doctors as well throughout this process as you try? Sorry, let me interrupt you. But. Yeah, no, well, I always tell all my clients to check check with their doctors, you know, whether they can take supplements or not. So that that's always, you know, that that's a prerequisite. But, mm. you know, always try to send studies and research because, as you know, not a lot mm. of doctors are quite receptive to supplements. Mm. Uh, but, you know, what one of the good things, uh, positive things was that his treatment was quite 
quick it was you know it was grueling but quick so so that gave us you know the six weeks is a short short time in the long term so now we can actually start working on rebuilding and I think that's really important to stress that you have gone through treatment you you know you've been told you are cancer free or you know lots of people are told you cancer free and remission now but that that's where we as natural therapists you know nutritional therapists that's where we need to start and we, we've just mm-hmm. now started restoring mark's um intestinal mucosa so we, we're doing it very gently um in a very sort of gentle easy way with foods that he can have at the moment mm-hmm. um and do you know that it's it's a process when he can eat everything like at the moment you, you really struggle with acidic foods because they're still they're still hurt you know they're, they're still lots of sore areas yeah I'm sure. so, so we need to we need to promote healing at this point so i'm putting things like lion's mane in mm. you know nice stewed apples that that type of food that you know are very are very healing for the gut mucosa and as we go forward then we're looking at optimizing, optimizing the diet, optimizing the immune system. So that then it all becomes all about the terrain, mm. you know, making sure that the terrain we are creating is hostile as much as much as we can make it hostile to, to any potential recurrences. And did you have what sort of did you have chemotherapy and radiotherapy, or did you just what, what did you have, Mark? I had six sessions of um, radiotherapy. Sorry, chemotherapy and. Right radiotherapy every day for six weeks and I when I met up my treatment team it wasn't like this but the surgeon was there and he was there 45 minutes explaining things but basically he said surgery is not an option at this moment in time so I'm going to walk out the room Um, so he left me with the oncology team Mm. Um, they spoke mainly about radiotherapy and they said we might put in the odd piece of chemotherapy when my treatment plan turned out I was basically doing radiotherapy every day for six weeks plus chemotherapy once once a week i was told on the level of five being highest on chemotherapy mine was a level four with an expectation of me hopefully reaching four sessions they didn't expect me to do all six uh, because of the strength of it Uh, maybe me i wanted to do all six so (laughs) and he did it was a challenge so like, and I, I think yeah. it was after after you finished when it actually hit you and you had a couple weeks where you really felt unwell. On the, I believe it was a Monday after the six weeks of treatment, I went downhill. I was in a lot of pain. Mm. Um, they put me on. When I was going back to what you said about the painkillers earlier on, on the uh, week five, they asked me what I was on. And I said to them, I was on three pounds in my day. And again, I don't really want to put chemicals in my body that don't really need to be there. They offered me codeine then, and I said, I don't need it. Uh, however, after the treatment ended, why it was like this, I don't know. But I'm aware that the radiation carried on working for a period of time. I needed codeine. Well, they offered me codeine then. Um, the codeine didn't work. So I think I think it was a Thursday afterwards, um, I then was on morphine. And I was on morphine for four days. Okay. And I find uh, under my tongue, running down to, on the left-hand side mainly to, to lower under my voice box, it, it's like burning. Yeah. And it's funny because the, the NHS has been brilliant. Their support has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their follow-up has been great. Um, and I still have regular meetups with them. It's all over the phone because of the COVID. But they ran me up one day and I was having lunch. And they said, how are you? And I said, yeah, fine, going back to your toast. 
And I said, um, I'm just eating. And they said, okay, that's fine. And I said, I've got a bowl of soup. And they said, okay. And I said, I've also got some toast with marmite on it. <laughs> uh, and they told me off because they, they were obviously, and they're, they're right, but it's, um, you know, it's the, the scar went down the side of my mouth. They didn't want that to, to be aggravated, so they wanted to heal it. <laughs> I don't eat toast, and I am eating toast all through my nutrition diet. But um, <laughs> when you're on chemo and when you start being nauseous, mm-hmm. uh, I found... Yeah. By eating toast in the morning, it starts to soak up the, the stuff in your stomach that's causing that. Mm. Um, so it was something that is really through treatment. I won't be buying bread again. It's, yeah. it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you are going through chemotherapy, and, and as you said, if you have nauseas and, and your appetite changes a lot, you know, it sometimes it just people reach for, for the comfort mm. foods. I was going to say, comfort and, food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and toast is the ultimate comfort food for a lot of people. So, but of course now we're, you know, we're, we're back on track. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Very smoothies, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must be exciting incorporating more foods into your, to your diet so you can have different foods. It must feel good to be able to do that and positive, positive step forward. Um, because of where the cancer was, or is, again, I haven't had your clear, it's gone down a lot. Um, we don't know the extent of mm. what done yet. it's affected my my tongue my mm. my throat um it's hit my saliva glands and also hit my taste buds so i was eating food that was getting stuck in between all my teeth and stuck in my gums so if i ate um, in theory like bread uh it'd be stuck all under my my lips um if i ate rice that would get stuck in between my teeth my saliva glands I spoke to the, the support team and they said they tried to miss them as much as possible because they're very precise with the radiation. Yeah. And they did hit parts of them. And so I've, through the treatment and also, it's better now, but it's this sticky saliva that hangs on my mouth quite a lot. Mm. Um, I don't have the normal loose saliva to actually just wash through away, so I, I do struggle a little bit with that. Uh, and I've noticed, oh, I suppose the last three days, that I'm eating meals and maybe wanting something afterwards or some fruit because I'm not getting so much burning with the acidity with the food mm-hmm. and also there's taste coming back so I can actually find out what, what I'm eating rather than just eating something for the sake of survival. That's nice. And, and you know, you've got to give yourself time because it's not been that long. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. I know I, I had to tell Mike to actually he needs to be a bit gentle with himself yeah. and actually recognize when he's doing too much yeah yeah you are yeah. a driven you are a driven man do you I, I think I probably will well I know the answer to this do you have a standard protocol for people that you like to follow Linda when you know that a client comes to you with a diagnosis of cancer have you got a standard sort of format that you like to put in place not that what you suggest they do or have is going to be the same but do you have yeah you know you know everybody is different and it there are different treatment protocols you can have somebody who's on chemotherapy for six months Mm -hmm. you know as opposed to mark six weeks so so they're they're different different steps you take so you make sure that you get them ready for surgery uh, build them up, you know, make sure the gut microbiome um, is healthy. And then, of course, supporting through surgery, making sure that we're putting foods in that 
that you can eat that you can digest and um, and after afterwards that this is where as I said the rebuilding starts so really looking at, at you know at the damage that has been caused by uh, both radio and chemotherapy so you really need to start sort of gently healing mm. so so it you know it, it's a very similar stages but of course as everybody is different so that they they may happen at sort of different speed yeah but also it's it's that you know the physical make i always tell everybody you know that it's just because you finished your treatment doesn't mean that you can go run a marathon yeah. and that's <laughs> <laughs> hmm. wonder need, how that was, fell on yeah. mark's ears <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need to you need to give yourself time to heal because you have been through such an assault on your body mm. that you really need to you know give your body body time to again readjust and and start healing yeah, being kind. It's funny, this sort of, um, I've got a few projects going on at home. They're a little, one of them is a little bit physical. Um, and I started doing things with that. And on the end of the one week on a Friday, I felt quite ill. and had to sit down and stop. Um, because of where I was there with nutrition and fluid struggling, because again, I'm burning under my tongue. Uh, I assumed it was to do with my nutrition intake, but actually then realised it was because of physically burnt out. And again, we, Linda pointed this out last time in the conversation, like, rest, it needs a restful. It's part of your, your healing process, really. Mark, can, can we talk about your project, your photography project? Because I thought that that's really fascinating and that I think that's another way how to sort of get through this journey. Um, yeah, I think two things. One, why was is if I focus on something and, and again, try and get something positive out of something, then going back to what I said originally, it gives me that positive emotion going through, through me. And it's, if I can achieve something, then I'm going to benefit from it. Uh, rather than something's just happened to me and, oh God, you know, this is what's happened. If I'm going, okay, fine, well, because of that, this has happened, or I can get that out of it. Again, it gives me that positive vibe. Um, back to being a counsellor, and I suppose, I suppose it's loaded a bit from, from my history of my parents and my children, um, wanting to have better relationships. And I've also got this emphasis on time, which I use quite a lot because, you know, we can, we can earn more money, we can go and get more food, we can go to the gym and make ourselves healthier, but we can't do anything about time. Once time's gone, it's gone. And being totally detached from cancer and not having anyone in my close proximity from having cancer, uh, I didn't have a lot of awareness around it. Uh, I'm, I'm aware it goes on the news and people die of cancer and get cancer and we get recovered from cancer, but you know it's not really affected me. Um, my, my ex-partner from 17 years ago then had cancer and um, she didn't make it. Um, she lasted eight weeks in her diagnosis on a Saturday when she went to sleep. Uh, and seeing the process of how, how it affects people, I then wanted to do a, a photo project with people with cancer just like wake up guys, you know, start loving the people around you because, you know, things do happen. You know, let's be real, things happen to any of us. And it's hard to then sort of go up to someone with cancer and go, can I put a camera on your face, please? I want to take some <laughs> pictures of how, how ill you look to wake, you, wake your family up. And I've got another friend of mine, she's a counsellor, and she's had breast cancer. Um, and she runs, was involved with a breast cancer support group uh, and runs groups. So I met up with her and she was trying to get me involved with sort of the group and people with diagnosed with cancer to actually go, I've got this guy who wants to come and take some pictures of you. 
Um, I'm also, by the way, I am a photographer. You know, I am just let's let's get that one out there. I just am going to random guy with a camera. Um, so I do like documentary photography as well as arty photography. Right. And again, I'm again trying to trying to change the world, trying to make the planet a better place. You know, start waking people up, and mm. live healthy. You know, what what goes on just even in the meat meat trade. You know, is horrendous. And just trying to wake people up a little bit with my photography. Uh, I've done some dark shots with like suicide awareness things. So, so I met up this lady. Um, she's trying to get me involved with this group. And I suppose it's a bit daunting to actually. Well, I know it's daunting to be told you've got cancer, but then sort of some guy wants to take your pictures. Mm. So it, it didn't go down too well. A lot of people were sort of putting their hands up and going, "Yeah, me please." So it was like, okay, Plan B. What do we do? I didn't expect the project to come back at me and going, well, hang on a minute, you've got cancer now, what do you want to do? Because I'm aware, I suppose aware a lot more than a lot of people, how emotions really affect ourselves, um, I knew that I couldn't do that project myself. To actually then try to catch me in a very dark emotional place when someone's just told you you've got cancer, it's not going to happen. Uh, I've got another friend of mine, Alex, and I just met him through, through Zoom. Uh, he he's got many awards for, for his photography, so I handed the project to him, and he's like, "Why are you giving this project? What what's changed?" And I went, "Well, I took the diagnosis with cancer." Uh, he wasn't there for the initial camera at my nose, the the MRI, uh, but he was there for the first biopsy. So Alex was then going to take on this project, and I was okay with that. But it sort of it was my project, and I was sort of like a bit of precious over things and wanted the recognition. Not that I'm trying to get something out of it, but, you know, it's a project that I, I spent a lot of time and headspace mm-hmm. with. And then when we started going to the hospitals quite a lot with the COVID situation, Alex wasn't allowed in. Alex couldn't go and do certain shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, not dismissing Alex's photography, a lot of the shots, and he said this himself, a lot of shots of pictures of me outside the hospital, which become a little bit boring. Again, not taking anything away from photography, just the, the whole subject matter. So he handed it back to me. Um, so I could then do the more physical shots where I'm sat in a hospital bed, uh, I'm sat in a chemo ward, went into the radiotherapy room where they, they I don't know if people know, but when you've got cancer in, in the head, they make a mask, they pin you to a table. Um, so I had this mask made. And I'm one of these people that would take advantage. So when I went in there, uh, they put the mask on the floor next to the radiotherapy machine. I said, can I take some pictures, please? I'm doing this project. Oh, we, we need to ask. We'll have to find out and get your permission. Well, I'm on my hands and knees. I'm, you know, there's this guy with cancer. Uh, I'm going to be bottled to a table and I'm on my hands and knees taking pictures of a mask with a radiotherapy machine. Brilliant, hard-hitting pictures. They got to know us in hospitals. You know, even the surgeon went, look, if you want pictures of you, you don't want cancer, do what you want to do. So, yeah, what we were trying to do is build this project up of, of my journey facing cancer, but not only facing cancer, facing cancer through COVID. Uh, the isolation that comes with that, uh, mm. the own challenges of you know going in places on your own, uh, and, and trying to do again something that someone can see, something someone recognise it, someone's gone through it, the emotions involved, the, the positivity, you know, this is going to have a good outcome, I'm sure, uh, but also the other side of it and me back out enjoying my life. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the? Have you have you been? publishing your photographs on a blog on instagram or facebook or or are you waiting to present this in another format where where can we where can we find Um, these yeah sure it's it's not publicly out there yet Uh, we want to get the whole thing 
finished. We're going to right. probably maybe a book out of it. I know Linda said I might be doing some talks and doing some stuff with her later on. Uh, we might be bringing the photos there and then try to try to publish it in a way we can make some money of it and put some money back into a, a situation that might help other people. Again, it's, it's a bit of an unknown. It was sort of, you know, you've got cancer. What can we get out of it? Let's do the photo project. And then it was the talk of where it's going to go. Alex is a good friend of mine. We're both both in the same sort of mindset. We want to do something good with this. Going back to a blog all the way through it, and because of like um, my, my mentality of trying to help people, I did run a video blog on my Facebook page, my okay. personal Facebook page of actually being diagnosed, how it uh, affected me emotionally, my, my thoughts through it, my own awareness through it, and then also through my treatment. So we had, in theory, I had the public one, but then also the photos are just going to do as a, yeah. a, you know, maybe a book or something that's going to get published later on. So also got, um, I don't know if it's the right label, but I'm going to use it in a way too that's going to come in and, and we're looking at doing pieces of writing involved through the, the project as well. And it's going to have like bits of my story through it as well. So it will help people understand the pictures more. So people can find you. So we'll be sure and put your link to either your Facebook page or something on the show notes so people can find you and, and follow you. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. My, my Facebook page is public. You know, it might have a lot of pictures of my dog on me walking across the beach or something. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, there are, there are just through there, there are, ooh, I don't know, 13, 15 random videos of, um, of my journey through cancer here. Did, did you find that that was a good way to communicate with people who know you? You know, because I know lots of people struggle with uh, the diagnosis and what do I say? And they really struggle with communication with with their loved ones or with their friends because that the conversations tend to be uncomfortable on both sides so did you did you find that that was the best way to kind of communicate what you're going through um i think i think from the counseling side of me to actually help people to wake them up and go look you know i'm a normal guy i'm healthy i'm living my normal yeah. life it's not going to happen to me boom this has just happened to me. i've seen it on facebook a few times you know the young girl has had it got cancer and all the life in front of her, wake up guys, and the, the millionaire that's got all this money in the bank, and his life's been taken away. Yeah. So I think that was the motive originally, and trying to gain, get something to wake other people up to have a healthy lifestyle. Mm. Um, but then it also coming back to what you were saying, it was a healthier way, or an easier way to. So I had a lot of people going, "How are you? Are you okay?" And mm. I had lots of friends, people I've met on different journeys. I just found out this, you know, what's happening, and I was having. 20 conversations with 20 people that, that, that to me were the same. So it was easier to do yeah. a video blog and going, this is where I'm at, guys. And then the network of people, my mum and dad aren't on Facebook, my neighbour is, or her daughter is, and I've known her daughter since I was born. We grew up together. She's following me on Facebook, told her mum, but telling, telling my mum and dad, oh, he's looking okay today. So they, they were sort of more at ease rather than, yeah. you know, it's hit me hard, you know, and a lot of the time I was sleeping quite a lot of the days. By two o'clock, I was burning out through treatment. Um, so I was getting a two hour nap. So the last thing I really wanted was people ringing me up and going, How are you feeling? Yeah. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. And have you, can, can I jump way back a bit? Because, well, way back, April, when all this stuff happened. What sort of, 
what sort of support did, this is not anything other than just really a question. It's not loaded or anything. When they told you that there was something going on, there was something actually wrong, did they have some support mechanisms in place for you to say, well, this is where you can go to get help with this. This is what you might do to just X, Y, and Z from a mental mindfulness standpoint, from a nutritional standpoint, from a health and well-being standpoint. Did you receive any guidance? No. Basically, it was a cam up the nose. Don't know what this is. It's not your saliva gland. Boom. Right. Okay. I had two ladies in the... Um, um, I had an ultrasound first and then two biopsies. They've done the ultrasound, uh, done a biopsy, and they said, this isn't good. She went out the room to look at it, and she said, this isn't good. While she was gone, I was chatting to the other lady, because we tried to get some photos done in that, that room, they wouldn't let us. While we were in there, she said, 90% of the people in here aren't doing bad news. Mm. So that was the only thing they said to me. You know, it's, she hadn't even told me yet, you know, and it's like all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. prepping me up. That's now, true. I can do with the truth, but, you know, it was, it was just like something you don't, it's like now, a normal guy living a normal life, and this he goes, you got cancer. And you're like, whoa, hang on a minute. I didn't expect that. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan I had in life. The other lady come back, and that's when she said, we're now looking for primary source. And that's when he did the second biopsy. Uh, and then she said, this was another thing is also, it's after the event, it's easy looking back and knowing, but when you're going from the front of it and not knowing, uh, I didn't realise at the time that all the consultants, all the medical team, they all get together on a Tuesday, discuss all the patients, and then they give them feedback. I had my biopsy done, and they said, right, well, you'll hear by Wednesday. So, but because mine was done later on in the week, then I'm now panicking, worrying, what have I got, what are they going to do, am I going to live, and waiting for that phone call Tuesday straight Wednesday. Uh, because of my results weren't back, they then went in the pool ready for the next Tuesday. But no one explained that to me at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm now going, what's happening? Is it, you know, and I suppose a lot of us have that head that goes, is it worse? Can they tell me this? Can they tell me that? Don't they know? Um, and having to sit with those dark thoughts. And I remember you going through that. And that, that, that's really, you know, it's so, so difficult when you're waiting. I think now it's it, a week is long, two weeks is. <sighs> Just seems like forever. One, yeah. Yeah. one of my early early videos I've done on Facebook was like, it's the waiting, you know, just the waiting for what, what's going on. Am I going to be, uh, am I going to be okay? Can they treat this? And then when I had the, the second biopsy, when they, they put me out and they done an operation under my tongue to find it, the surgeon then was brilliant and he said, I will come back to you at the end of the day and I'll tell you. He said, well, you'll hear further on on the Tuesday and once I knew mm. I was then okay because it was just just again knowing yeah. and he said okay your, your cancer is XYZ again I can't remember the label it's in your tongue it's very deep in your tongue um, but we can treat it and again my video on Facebook would come out boom hello guys it's, it's treatable mm. you know my first line was it's treatable <sighs> relief you know um, huge I, I'm going to be okay yeah. 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 so I have questions for each of you. One is um, from Mark. What would you say to people about, what would you say to others about this? Just from a, and that's such a vague question. What would you say to someone who's had a, a cancer diagnosis? I, I, I hear you. I would start before that. 
<laughs> look after yourself now. Look after yourself before you get that diagnosis. Find someone like Lynn that can help you with a healthier diet that's actually going to benefit your living now. Mm. So you haven't got to worry so much about the diagnosis when it lands. Like Linda said a minute ago with my nutrition, a lot of it needed tweaking because the pain and suffering I went through from the gallbladder problems, I started looking after my body, again, using figures a year previous. Mm. I was aware that actually, and when you like cake, chocolates, fatty foods, and the, the healthy stuff that's sold on the high street, and it so tastes good, to change to something that's healthy that doesn't taste at the time so pleasant, it's, it's a big step to do. Um, so I went for a lot of pain. So to look after yourself now, do, do it before you get the diagnosis. So when it comes, it's easier to change because it's so devastating when someone goes, you've got cancer. Yeah. Um, to actually go, oh, by the way, I want to find out how I can change my diet. <laughs> so, so I think it's, it's easier to look after it before it happens. Again, from a therapeutic, look at the start, if I can change it now. But... Research it. Once once you know, research. Try and find people that have gone through your same journey. I, I've learned for the last three, four years of starting to benefit my life. The more research I do, the better. Um, when I was told I had cancer, I was having a lot of sleepless nights. I went on Facebook. It was just a way of occupying my mind. A guy, I've got like, I don't know, two and a half thousand friends on Facebook, followers or whatever they are, you know, whatever label we use nowadays. One of the guys on there just noticed at three in the morning that I've just had the all clear from throat cancer. Boom, I'm, I'm, I'm messaging that guy, having a chat with him. I've just had this. I've just been diagnosed. What have you done? Yeah. Find people that have gone through your journey. Find people, research it. You know, how can you treat it? What can you do? Anything to benefit yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't leave it to somebody else to fix you. Don't go to the doctor and go, what are you going to do about it? I've got a friend of mine who's a nurse. I used to teach at Taekwondo many years ago. She sat with my dad when he was in ITU and he had heart problems. And she comes straight in, right, what's going on, what's happening? Uh, I do a lot of treks with her. She knew I had cancer by the feel of my neck, but she didn't tell me. Which is fine, that's, you know, that's, that's the choice we make. But as soon as, as soon as I was ill, I'm going, right, what do I need to do? You need to do this, you need to do that. Take responsibility for where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's devastating news and it's soul destroying. You know, n- not dismissing the emotion. Get over that. Actually, physically do something. Mm-hmm. Whatever research you can, find people that have gone through what you've gone through. Find that positivity that, you know, let's say it kills nine out of ten. Find that tenth person. You know, mm-hmm. get that one person who's got that hope. That that's something you could hold on to. You, you might slip. It might, you know, it might take you out. This is the truth of this stuff. Hence why I'm saying contact someone like Linda before that. Start looking after your body. When I had my gallbladder problems, I started looking after my liver more. Um, I used to even chatting to my, my medical team and they said, what are you doing? I want to go on my fruit and veg smoothies. I want to start looking after my body again. You know, the toast has sorted the problem out with the nauseas. <laughs> I now want to start putting healthy stuff like Linda saying, no, you want, I want to get that, I want to get that, that nutrition back in my body that's, that's going to fuel it. You know, mm-hmm. go back to long answer. Look after yourself. Find out. Find out what you can, but start looking after yourself before that happens. Yeah, so that's a good answer. It's a really <laughs> solid answer, really. And 
Linda, when you, because you work with a lot of people who have a cancer diagnosis or who have come to you who after have had cancer and are coming to you for support, oh, yeah. what sort of guidance, I mean, this is so, this is mean of me because you know I'm going to ask you this over and over and over again with our podcast, but what sort of guidance would you offer people? I, you know, it, it's actually, it goes with what Mark said. Uh, it's all about empowering yourself and finding there are other things you can do alongside um, your treatment. You don't have to just go one way. You know, there are many directions. Um, you just build in, building on. So empowering yourself, feeling like you are in charge of your health journey. I think that's really, really important because if yeah. you just give in, then it's somebody doing something to you. But how about you taking charge and asking questions? And yes, asking, can I, can I eat in a different way? You know, are there supplements I can take? What can I do? And I think that's so important and that, that the research actually does point towards those who, the people who feel like they are in charge of their uh, health, they actually get better. You know, they have better outcomes. Yeah. So, and, and also, to, you know, people come with different stages of cancer to see me. Mm-hmm. Not everybody survives, but you can always help at every stage. You know, you can mm-hmm. have less pain. You can, you know, have longer time, all those things. So, so everybody, there, there's something for everybody, no matter what stage of cancer you are, no matter if you, you know, just been diagnosed, if you um, have gone through treatment, there's always something you can do. Excellent. That's really, really good. That's really helpful advice. Um, what haven't we talked about that we should have talked about in this session? I, I would say Mark has a plan, don't you, Mark? Oh. If you've got a plan to, to get a nice, nice cottage somewhere in <laughs> Scotland and reconnect yeah, with I, um, I'm a landlord, so I've got a few properties. So I've nice. at the moment. Uh, and again, going back to time, how do I want to spend whatever I've got left uh, and what do I want to do with it? Um, I spent many hours in a chemo ward. My chemo treatment was six and a half hours at a time. Gosh. So I just went, what do I want to do in my life? You know, whatever I've got left, how do I want to spend that time? Um, I closed a electrical business like about two and a half years ago. And again, I've been a bit of a workaholic over my days. And it's, you know, I've realized money isn't as important as people make it. Um, actually quality of time is more important uh, relationships how much time do I want to spend with my dog or how much time do I want to spend working yeah, and if I spend time working I'm going to sacrifice my time with my dog um, so it's again it's, it's looking at time and the idea is to move into my flat sell my house and then get the equity out of this and then plan B um, little cottage in Scotland little seaside cottage in Cornwall and just simplify my life as much as I can. Again, it's what you put into your body, you know. Do I want to put a lot of stress, worry, hard work, or do I want to actually work on me and what I really want out of life? And have you been given, did you, I couldn't tell before, and I, I do beg your pardon, do you, were you given the all clear now that you've been through all this treatment or you're still waiting to hear with regards no, to, uh, okay. My, my treatment ended five weeks ago last Friday. Okay. Uh, they told me I've got to wait three months before they actually give me a, a scan to be able to give me the all clear. 
because of the scarring and the damage the treatment has caused, uh, to do a scan before that might show up scarring, which might be confused with cancer. So the last conversation I had with my support team was within the last week, I believe. Uh, and they were saying maybe the first scan still might not show a clear enough picture to give me the all clear. Mm. So, so no, I, I don't know yet. <laughs> but again, it's the way I live my life. Do you know what I mean it's it's not it's not in my mind at the moment. It's actually more about living now because I've only got now and whatever's going to happen in without doing the maps. We'll be talking seven weeks. I'm not going to know, so I'll worry about that day when, when I have a scan. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, you're enjoying your walks and enjoying the flowers and the sunshine and all of the, the things that really do fulfill our soul, actually, which sounds really good. And, and getting to eat different foods, too. That's that's even better. It's nice to be able to eat healthily again yeah, now and start to take it and actually wanting to pick up something else, you know, even mm-hmm. fruit, just picking up an apple or a pear. The, the acid in it was burning me. Um, it's, it's just a little bit like back in my throat now. It still, still bites. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, just the simple thing. I got myself a new motorbike. I had an old motorbike in the garage and bought myself a new And we started doing a bit of touring, me and a friend, and going down these country lanes. And mm-hmm. Just being, I just love the outdoors. You know, it's something that, that fuels my spirit now. Yeah. So, and, and you can spend this time, you know, whilst you're waiting for your scan, you just spend the time working on your health. Yes. and powering yourself again you know as, as you have been doing so it's all to be used in a positive way that's right and having time with your children and your parents it sounds it sounds like it's although it's a, a scary diagnosis it's enabled you to take some real steps on and reflecting on what you want to do and, I, and that's where you're you have said before you're making those decisions about how you want to deal with this and that's what i find so inspiring People, people don't take responsibility, do they? They, they sort of, uh, like I said earlier on, we've learned this coping mechanism, this mm. you've got to go to work, you've got to have a mortgage, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then when it doesn't happen, you fall, fall in this, or oh, my life's bad, or I haven't got a job. If I'm going, okay, this is my situation. Um, you know, you were saying about my children back in my life. My daughter's not. My daughter's... My daughter let me down actually come and see me when she was going to after my stomach hop. So I haven't seen or spoke to my daughter from actually beginning of treatment. And there's, there's, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's sad. There's the emotion, it's sad, it's upsetting, there's loss. However, this is the situation. Why, what can I do about it? My son's spending time with me. My mum and dad couldn't deal with me uh, because of what I was going through. So we had some heavy conversations. They started to realise more of my needs and we made some changes in our relationship and it's got a health relationship but it's it's dealing with what what i've got you know uh, my, my daughter's over there my son's now coming back my mum and dad's changed uh they're accepting my needs now they, they try to fix me because they can't deal with my emotional state and we've had a chat so it, again for me it's just okay this is what i've got this is what's here today you know and, and like Luke said empower yourself okay this is what i've got what can i do with it Let's let's deal with this rather than something that's out of my control. Yeah, it's the same with the cancer. You know, I, I can't deal with the cancer, but I can deal with the situation how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's it's learning to empower yourself. We've got a lot a lot of people have got a lot more power than they give themselves credit for. Yeah, but they, they we're just not taught how to, how to get that or how to find it. Mm. Linda, what were you going to say? What was I going to say? I, I I just wanted to get get across how. 
inspiring working with Mark has been because the attitude, you know, just, I honestly see him going forward as helping other people who are going through the same because you, you well, you, you already do help people. You are a counsellor. So now actually helping people who have gone through the same sort of journey, I think that would be, that, that would be something that you should consider doing and put your energy into. It, it was annoying when, again, I got this faith in this belief in this, this higher being. Let's, I, I'm not a religious person. Let's, let's call it God. And then I'm sort of quite annoyed going, hang on, what, why have I got this now? You know, why have you given me this? Um, but actually, started, again, I'm not a religious person. I need to get that straight. But you know, people blame God for the situation. But actually going, okay, actually looking for the strength from him to, to actually deal with what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's good and bad in the, in the world. There's evil. And you're saying, okay, you know, it might be something that's evil that's caused this. How can I find something good to actually help me yeah. to give me that life, light and faith through, through a problem? You know, like the gap in the clouds, you know, you actually see the sun come through and going, look, this storm's going to end. Hey, how can I get that belief to get myself through these problems? And, and I think as people don't give themselves credit for that, you know, we can have an imaginary belief that actually pulls us through a problem. And like we said now, it's given me more tools to deal with more situations to help people in a different way. Mm-hmm. I've learned a greater strength in me and actually something else I can come through because of, it's not long, long time ago, but let's say three months. Three months ago, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to die. Mm. You know, I know I'm going to die, but I just don't know when. But it actually, someone goes, it's going to be soon and you thought. So I'm going, I don't want to die yet. So what can I do about that? And you, but, you told me when you went for a walk with Alex and he asked you, uh, was it how, how you were feeling? <laughs> we, uh, Alex is a little bit like me. He's, again, a spiritual guy. And we like the outdoors. And we both got dogs. And we was up in the woods. Um, and, again, part of the photo project, he's been taking pictures of me in my daily life. And he took a picture of me at the woods. Uh, it was like a little cop's area where we live. And there was an ice cream van there. And I went to stop to get an ice cream. Probably not on my nutritional plan. <laughs> <laughs> now you've seen oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. You confessed. <laughs> oh. So, um, yes, yeah, so we, we can break the rules a little bit, you know. And again, yeah. it's, it's not been hard on myself. Oh, you do this and that. So it's, you know, just give me a little bit of slack. But um, yeah, Alex said to me, he said, are you okay? And I went, yeah. you sure you're okay? And I was starting to question myself. I went, yeah. Why? And he said, well, you look really good. <laughs> um, this, this was a month, three weeks into being told you've got cancer and starting the process of actually finding out where it is and what's going on. And, it, and I questioned myself, you know, am I, am I dismissing? Again, I look at emotions. Am I dismiss, dismissing something? And I'm like, if I'd rather live the way I do or choose to live the way I do, there it is, the choice. You know, I choose to live this way. I'm actually enjoying the moment. And the time, you know, and again, sort of I'm five weeks away from treatment. I don't know if I'm going to be clear of this yet. And I've got to go through a massive operation or the treatment again. But I feel happy. I feel I'm enjoying my life. Now, let's just say worst case scenario, I'm going to die in three months' time. I'd rather live happily enjoying my life now than actually worrying about that event in three months' time. Because like I said, they're giving these talks. That can happen to any one of us, not only with cancer, just RTA, you know, road traffic accident or something or just another illness, you know. It's about learning to enjoy what we've got now. And I think, you know, that, that's the other side of maybe when you said if that there's, there's a takeaway from, from sort of what, what, how I work with my clients. I'm forever telling them that 
because you, you, you get all these questions. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do that? Should I try that? What about this? Am I doing enough? Mm. And that's, that actually is creating a lot more stress. Yeah, it's yeah. like actually settling into what you're doing, you know, with someone's guidance, but not, you, you know, if you keep looking for that one thing, that one thing, it's, yeah you keep letting yourself down because you're constantly living in this stress. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. Yeah. So actually, you know, really enjoying yourself, being, you know, managing the stress as much as you can is one of the best things you can, you can do for yourself yeah. going through this. Yeah. It, it's like saying about being kind to yourself, you know, it's sort of, <laughs> you've got, you got a great deal of knowledge. You've put a lot of that towards me to help me. Whether I listen to you or not is my choice. Whether I take on board all of it or some of it that's going to benefit me is my choice. If I, we, we had the, um, the sauerkraut and I bought the powder, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't nice. Um, mm, now, I didn't even know sauerkraut powder existed. That just sounds horrendous. But anyway, you know. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't take it. I had one spoonful. It went nice. But, um, so I did. So, so giving myself <laughs> being okay with my choice but I'm going right you know this guy's just been to Mark's been talking about this and you know is he right or wrong mm-hmm. you might find some of the things that you start absorbing and applying to your life might benefit you know and it's adding this I think as Bruce Lee said you know take what's beneficial and discard what isn't mm-hmm. you know um, someone that does a lot of running if I said to them relax more well, they're going to go I'm not going to reach my goals mm-hmm. so it's okay might need to relax at some point sometime you know yeah. just and also, you know, I think for you, eating a sauerkraut that you might really, really, really hate is not good for you because that's just going to make you miserable. So, you know, it's... it's nice. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that I really uh, enjoy about your type of advice, Linda, is that you really try to tune into allowing people to enjoy things and say if that's not working for you then don't do it and and i took great guidance from that as well um and my own practice when i see people in and just from other things in my life but it's so encouraging to see nutritional therapists say no if that's not the right thing for you then let's find an alternative and it's so important for the individual that's sitting in front of you and you make it about them which i think is is brilliant so Right. So I think if you all are happy with what we've done so far, unless there is something else that you would like to talk about, because we could go on. This is one of those conversations that is very easy to, to go on and on and talk with people about because there are so many aspects of dealing with a diagnosis and how you can get the right support. So is there anything else that either of you would like to, to share or talk about right now? I think it's watch this space, isn't it, Mark? Because okay. this, it's not over. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. And, good. and maybe that's something we can consider new going it's a good forward. idea. It's a good oh, idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. We'll pick it up, pick it up, maybe sort of like once I've been clear on what's going on in life, because I know Linda's on about doing some maybe help group in, in Bristol at some point. Yes. So we spoke yeah. about getting involved with together. So who knows, like I said, you know, yeah. watch this yeah. space. That's a great idea. And we could talk easily, talk in several months' time to see how you are. And I think that would be terrific for the listeners. And uh, if our planned conference that we're hoping to, yes. to organize, the COVID so. dependent, yeah. if that happens, so it would be lovely to have Mark's photographs yeah. there. That's and, what I was thinking and, as well. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and get yeah. him on the panel to yeah. speak. 
And any photographs you want to share with us, Mark, we'd be delighted to support you and share them so we can you know, share your journey with others because it does help people. It helps people just hear others, as you say. It helps people hearing others talking about it and it makes it okay to talk about for the person going through it themselves and for those that are their loved ones to hear about it it's always helpful yeah i think it is i think it's the thing is for the person going through it is actually for them to learn to talk and be okay with it mm. and, you know some of the pictures of first being diagnosed and actually understanding that you're going to die and you've got cancer and it's all worrying and you know they're hard hitting but you know at this moment in time, three months later on, I'm laughing, joking, cheerful about whatever's going on. And I might still have it, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know yet. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay to go through those those crappy storms. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's what it's what makes us. And it's mm -hmm. what gives us character. And like I said, there's something we can out get something positive from and help other people with it. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, it's so important to go through all the emotions. You know, of course, there's fear that, you know, you can't no nobody receives it and is positive you know that it's the news that everybody receives and immediately it hits you like a ton of bricks mm. so you go through all the emotions but it's actually how you how you come out on the other side that's important and yeah. i love i love the sort of the idea of thriving with cancer living well with cancer yeah i i you know talking about the dark times when i uh early stages of not knowing if they're going to treat it or not you know um is how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to cope? There was, there was suicidal thoughts, you know. Shall I end it? Um, well, why? Because if I'm going to die, I'm going to die anyhow. So you might as well just go through that process. So, again, a lot of people are committing suicide these days. You know, it's mm -hmm. actually just you can deal with something. It's just not knowing the fear of going through something that you've never gone through before. Um, mm -hmm. And I've gone through that. And it's like saying, Jimmy, we're talking now, it's, I think that you said, you know, it was only a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and I'm living now, like, it hasn't happened, and it's pretty much forgotten, you know, it's like, yeah. that's happened, what, I'm feeling well now, like Linda said to me last week, you need to rest, stop, you know, slow down, yeah. you know, um, you can't run a marathon yet, and it's like, yeah. but I'm okay, and I feel better now, the lumps are gone, the pain's gone, it hurts a little bit to eat and drink, but I'm, I'm normal again, I'm yeah. normal through it, but it's just, I can live a normal life again. And, and that's what people forget, you know. You're diagnosed, you can have a normal life afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's a lovely way to end it. So I think, I think what we'll do is we'll do that for now and we'll say, we'll put it on pause for now and look forward to an update in three to six months time to hear what's going on and what you're up to, how you're feeling and more about your project. So if you're all right with that, I think we'll say that we'll just call that a wrap. Brilliant. That's a wrap. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much. It's really, really been a good show. It's been a great show. Thank you. Nice to talk to you. Take care.
Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in with Linda, Mark, and me and hearing Mark's story. We will certainly keep you posted on progress for him and hope to have him on, as we said, in a few months' time to talk about how he's doing and hear more about his project that he's working on. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out more details about Mark or if you'd like to get in touch with Linda, you can find Linda's contact details on the show notes. The stories that we are going to hear from people who are dealing with cancer and the stories that we hear from practitioners who are working with people who have cancer are going to be humbling and I find it makes life look all the more precious. So for now, I'd like to thank you for joining us and here's wishing you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.